Hello and welcome to EG's Voice of the Region. I'm Jim Larkin. I'm a regional researcher with EG. And once again, I'm going to be getting the inside track on a particular region of the UK from an agent playing a starring role in its radius undermine rankings. This time, we're going to be talking logistics in one of its prime locations, the West Midlands. Uh, it's a sector that's boomed during the pandemic in many ways because of the pandemic. But is it all plain sailing? Uh, specifically, what happens when a logistics market, which is booming in terms of transactions, collides with a host of issues from Brexit, to COVID, to the global shipping crisis that are all in different ways making life more complicated for occupiers in that sector. With so much uncertainty out there, how do operators plan their requirements and how flexible do landlords need to be in these uniquely testing times? To answer that, I'm pleased to be joined by Chris Key of Derby Key, who find themselves in second place in the industrial rankings for the broad West Midlands region, with more than 600,000 square feet transacted so far this year. So Chris, hello. Hi, how are you doing, Jim? Good, thank you. Um, right, um, first of all, just by way of introduction, can you talk a little about your background, um, how and when Derby Key came to be established and the range of services you offer across the West Midlands? Yes, certainly, Jim. Um, Derby Key property was established about eight years ago. Prior to that, myself um, and one of my, the founding uh, partners, James Derby, we both worked in private practice as industrial agents as we're referred to in the industry um, we, we we simply felt that we could offer a niche and quite personal service to the market uh, and and the rest is really history off we uh, you know off we went set up derby key property established it and um, have been active across the west midlands and occasionally outside of the west midlands um, ever since OK. Uh, now, historically, um, the West Midlands, it's one of the traditional powerhouse industrial regions of the country, um, you know, from the Industrial Revolution that kind of created the black country right through to the car industry of the 20th century. Um, but where is it at in 2021? Um, which sectors are strong and where are the hotspots for growth? The sectors you mentioned are still um, are still active and strong in their own right. Online retail, probably no surprise, has made considerable impact particularly over the last 12 to 18 months it continues to grow and with that there is the sort of offshoot of third-party logistics that's needed to support the online online retail community that then has filtered down to growth or almost emerging trends in what we call last mile delivery um, there seems to be a drive towards securing warehouse accommodation amongst you know urban in urban areas amongst the critical mass of chimney pots and well connected locations so that particularly the retailers can get their goods out as fast as possible to to the general public that's also giving rise to um to requirements for a, a change sometimes in the actual configuration of buildings sometimes small warehouses with larger yards are needed to accommodate the transportation, particularly for parcel delivery of their vehicles. And we're also seeing a move in or a change in wholesale. We're seeing some traditionally wholesale businesses decide to move a lot of their business online. So warehouse space is still needed, but it's more of a, um, a storage facility as opposed to a walk-in facility. Mm. 
Perhaps as well, manufacturing is, is still there. The automotive supply chain has been very strong in, 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 in over the last decade. And although that there has been some impact, some negative impact in, in recent years, particularly on the back of, I would say, Brexit uncertainty and then the pandemic, we're still seeing manufacturing require, requirements emerge and we're seeing requirements again from the automotive supply chain for warehouse space. Good stuff. Okay. I mean, the logistics sector, it's been a success story throughout the pandemic pretty much everywhere. Um, but have you been surprised at the level of growth you've seen in the West Midlands? And, and is there kind of, is it possible to quantify, you know, how how much it grew compared to a normal year? The statistics being um, being sort of widely published um, and, and discussed, uh, that you'll see lots of if you if you delve, um, you'll see take up figures for industrial uh, logistics property, not just in the West Midlands, across the country, seems to be at an all time high. I've seen various stats. I think one of them was that we were something like. On in, for two for, to, for 2021, I think we're about 80 at Q3 or at the end of Q3, we were at about 87% ahead, 87% ahead of the five-year quarterly um, at take-up average. That is that's a, a really strong stat given that prior to this year and particularly last year, we saw a lot of take-up, very fast and rapid take-up. And prior to that, the industrial logistics market wasn't doing too badly at all. So it, quantifying is difficult. We, we rely on the stats and, and, and they paint a very, very strong, unprecedented picture. And then just day to day, we felt it, you know, the, the sheer volume of requirements, the urgency, um, the demand is, is there day in, day out. Buildings are letting, selling um, very rapidly. There's lots of occupiers looking for land, some of them looking for turnkey solutions to be developed for them. So. It, it, it's quite frankly, it's I've not I have not encountered a period of growth in the industrial logistics market like this. It's um, it's been incredible. Sure. Okay. Um, has this uh, increase in in you know space transacted? Has that been driven solely by e-commerce and the kind of accelerated switch to to, to use it, or are there other factors at play? It, that has been, that has created a major acceleration. E-commerce. Um, Lots and lots of people are now, uh, and I'm sure they were prior to the pandemic, using online um, retail, online retail to order groceries, clothing, housewares, homewares, whatever it might be. Um, you know, my own mother, who's never done it or hadn't done it prior to the pandemic, now uses on online for, for the majority of her shopping and, 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 and likes it. So that is really pushing the, 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 the growth. Um, but it's more how that filters down into the into the support and supply chain that's needed to 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 actually facilitate what the on what e-commerce the growth that e-commerce has experienced. It needs a, a hell of a lot of robust supply chain logistics to to make it work. Yeah, sure. I was going to come on to that. Um, kind of over the last few decades, the country's developed quite a sophisticated just-in-time distribution model um, in which uh, goods would arrive at you know, a factory or whatever just hours before they were needed. Um, how much has that been disrupted by Brexit, COVID, whatever you want to blame? Um, and are companies needing to take more storage space just to guarantee they have stock? 
Well, it, it's mainly anecdotal. Um, it, it's, but we're not, we don't operate logistics businesses and each business is different. But what we hear on a day-to-day -day basis from those operators is that they're incredibly frustrated and challenged to make whatever timing targets they're obliged to meet, whether that be just in time or, or another model. Some of them are suffering, you know, it can be quite punitive. They can, um, there can be severe penalties if they, they don't deliver goods in time. That has led to a lot of occupiers seeking shorter term, um, shorter term leasehold, particularly accommodation, shorter term warehouse space where they can bulk store product that normally would come in from overseas, some of it from around Europe, but they'd rather now store it here so they, they can actually ensure that they've got product to deliver uh, in, in accordance with the, the, the very um, rigorous timescales that they've got to they've got to meet so yeah that's putting further pressure on the um demand the, the demand for space but it's different pressure because it tends to be anywhere from three months to a couple of years worth of um space uh, term that the, these occupiers need sure okay um yeah i mean i was gonna ask what are the kind of lease lengths that that companies are looking for given there's you know it's sort of emergency space they're looking for just to kind of get through this current period of turbulence but no one quite knows how long that's going to last it's, it's it's an excellent question because this trend that there are, there are again i come back to trends that have emerged and what we've seen are trends whereby some occupiers will you know look into the future 10 15 year leases can be absolutely fine for them particularly if, if they are not contract, you know, it's not their requirements not based on a contract. And, and, and in addition, if they're fitting out significantly, particularly if it's plant and machinery, um, they'll want to invest in the premises and they'll take a longer lease. Uh, but equally, there is this uh, request, very common request for short term space that, that I mentioned um, earlier. It, it, on the back of that uncertainty, there is uncertainty there. That there are some businesses who can't quantify exactly how long they're going to need the additional space for, but don't want to be caught short. And as an industry, landlords and agents together, what we're trying to do is work with occupiers to provide a myriad of options where possible. But space is finite, land is, is finite. There's, you know, take up has been unprecedented, so there aren't many options. So it's quite difficult to offer. A, 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 a realistic um, option to all occupiers but we are all working together to try and you know to try and meet demand whether it's short term medium term or long term wherever possible sure okay i mean i guess from a landlord perspective the last thing they want to be doing is signing you know lease lengths of six months or a year or whatever um is there kind of demand sufficient demand uh, so that they don't have to do that or are they having to be a little bit more flexible there is in the main, it, landlords are in a great spot at the moment, there's no doubt in that that lack of supply means that they, they can hold out, um, and particularly for the for new build and modern accommodation or good quality second hand that has been refurbished, where capital has been deployed, it's only a, 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 you know natural that, that, that one would want a longer term lease commitment, longer term income, um, but with, there are some buildings that for whatever reason, it might, it, it's not really viable to deploy too much capital, no matter what you do with them, you know, you, you're not going to radically um, improve them, but they are great, uh, let's say, great enclosures for short term bulk storage space. 
the problem is there's not a great deal of that out there at all so most landlords are holding out for five ten fifteen year leases but there are some options and some landlords that are, that, that do have uh, warehouse space that 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 is that is more suited to the shorter term the shorter term lease sure okay i mean i guess the shorter term leases as well they're probably commanding higher rents than than you know than, than the longer ones and what sort of figures are you seeing um it, it, you're absolutely right they are um commanding what we call a rental premium it, the figures vary because it depends on the location and it depends mm. on the actual uh the building but we are seeing anywhere in terms of percentage wise we're seeing rents for let's say a, a lease of 12 months a year um being between 10 to as much as 30 percent more than if the occupier or the new tenant was taking a five-year lease or a 10-year lease so when you think about when you think about that, up to 30 percent that can be quite significant sure okay um can you just kind of spell out what the issues are for landlords with the the short-term leases in terms of you know the the value of their assets yeah sure i mean not not to go into too much detail because you, you could talk about this for a long time but commercial property tends to be one of the or one of the key attributes of valuing commercial property is is the the income and the quality of the income and when i say the income the length i should say of that point out of the income so if you for instance have 15 years worth of rent to the nhs as an example it's as good as it's going to get in terms of it's a government covenant covenant we call it you know you're going to get your rent you'd hope to get your your rent year on year for 15 years that has a very positive impact on the asset value and it enables a landlord should they want to to trade their asset at the best possible exit price um the shorter the income the the more the, the more negative the impact on asset value and in some in some regards you 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 know you don't want to go into too much technicality here because there are some outfits out there looking for short-term income assets for short-term income to buy on paper it won't look too good and if you've got to provide if you're a plc and you've got to provide a return to your shareholders having you know a reduced or, or a lessened um asset value asset value is not going to be a good it's not going to be a, a good factor to a good attribute to report so short in in, in, in essence short-term income does have a negative effect on asset value but there are ways to get around that and it depends on the building depends on the landlord and it depends also on the tenant taking the space sure okay um is there a kind of slight sense perhaps that the market's grown a little bit too quickly during the pandemic and that kind of space has disappeared too fast yeah um the growth is fantastic it's very positive and I think the growth and demand will be there for some time to come. We, I don't see it abating for 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 a, for a few years minimum. Yeah, if not three to five years, could be even longer, because that growth and this is the negative means that stock has been eroded, available product has been eroded so fast that we have this supply shortage. The ne- negative aspect of that is the opportunity. The opportunity not just for landlords for occupiers and, and overall economic growth. To support the economy, we need to provide occupiers with um, with buildings that they can operate their businesses from. 
and we've grown that fast that supply is at such a low level and you can't you you know there's a lag in building there's a lag in land coming forward there's a lag in actually con the construction process itself that has been impacted by covid and brexit you, you'll hear uh, if you talk to other agents developers landlords it's difficult to get hold of various um, building component parts and materials um so yeah it has possibly grown too fast but there's a it's a double-edged sword because it, it, it's very positive for the ind for the sector but it's it's quite difficult for landlords and occupiers to work together to cover off all options and present the, the the requisite level of opportunities and ultimately it's the economy you know it's the economy that needs that we need business we need businesses to continue to flourish we don't want them to be hamstrung sure okay um how close are we to running out of land to build on i mean are, are local authorities willing to make enough available well we we, we, we are we're, it depends to what extent you 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 talk about land is it land that's already got zoned and got planning um for a particular building so that it's up and ready we can you know start building on site immediately there's not a great deal of it there's, there's certainly not a great deal of it and that that is a, is up and ready you you know you the, the schemes will be coming forward over the next six to 18 24 months which is fantastic there'll be that more supply but land has been an issue for some time and that is not, there's further pressure now on, on the supply of land it really is difficult it really is constrained um I, I don't know the ins and outs of what local authority are doing i believe they're looking at the local development framework to try and review opportunities to bring more land forward and let's let's hope that they can do that because we really need it in the meantime what we're trying to do is just be as creative as possible and identify buildings or what we call brownfield land that can be redeveloped um, for the good of us all. Sure. Okay. Uh, now the boom in logistics is also happened very much at the same time as the uh, well, quite a well-documented shortage of lorry drivers. Um, how much impact is that having on the sector? And do you think that could in itself hamper growth? It, it, it comes back to to again, it, it's the anecdotal information we're subjected to you know you meet an occupier they complain about not being able to find or, or source enough drivers um, and they've got this ongoing headache it, it, it is problematic i don't know how in all honesty i don't know how problematic it is but one can assume that if if you can't get goods from a to b you've you've got a you've got a problem what it does for the warehousing sector i suppose again is push puts further pressure on short-term requirements because there may be more stock product hanging around for longer than it, it, it normally would um but it's certain you know even stepping away from property it's just not good that we, we, we have this pressure on supply chains where there aren't enough drivers to, to move goods from a to b it's not good for us just day to day Mm, sure. Okay. Um, do you think you know if if we can't transport goods by road, it's going to make rail freight um kind of more important? Um, and if so, what are the you know the the challenges and opportunities for property there? You'd assume it would, and it, and it definitely could do. But there are issues in that rail freight. The the actual um let's call them schemes, and there are some amazing schemes out there that are that can accommodate. That type of um, uh, transportation uh, via you know rail freight, but they again they're limited in supply. They have to be in the right location. They're very location sensitive, 
and you also need the right scheme layout um, and uh, let's call it um, plant and machinery to operate you, you know to remove freight from a train there needs to be yeah. adequate space you need the cranage so they're not that the, they're not easy to establish that they can't just pop up all over the country they've got to be on the right route in the right location and the scheme has to be configured correctly so i do think it will make i think occupiers are looking and logistics operators are looking for any solution they can get that they, they can you know follow uh, and uh, that, that will make life that bit easier and, and, and help them continue to operate but again i would imagine that the amount of occupiers that can actually operate rail freight uh, to, the, to the extent that they remove any headaches they've currently got with supply chains it's probably not it's probably not that large a pool at the moment Mm, sure. OK. Um, now, we've seen in the office market kind of the rise of the serviced office, um, whereby, you know, someone like WeWork or whatever will take a big, long head lease and just kind of sublet effectively smaller units within that within the within the building. Um, do you think that could be an effective model for logistics and that you'll have a sort of long term leaseholder and they're offering smaller flexible units on a kind of more short term basis? Yeah, um, we we've seen similar models in the past on uh, what we call the multi-let side of the industrial logistics market where you have a specific landlord who builds or or or, or purchases and maybe um, uh, maybe sort of repositions in a state where there's small incubator units for mm. short-term um, requirements but it but up to you know it's only very they're very small the, the issue is there isn't that I'm aware of anything out there that is a you know there's not like a Regis or a WeWork where you can go to go and find your short-term warehouse accommodation whether it be 50,000 square foot 500,000 square foot 5,000 square foot that's not there that the, the, the issue is it would need an operator with a good covenant to take a lease from a landlord to make it stack up from that perspective to make the landlord they find it attractive enough to 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 let their space on a short-term basis because what they'd actually be doing would be letting the space long term to a to an operator who then um sublets space or lets space on a shorter term basis and operates almost a business in that regard the challenge just comes back to the supply if, if there's not enough supply and there are occupiers out there wanting to take long-term leases and, and, and landlords probably want a good tenant mix in their portfolio. They don't want just one operator looking after the whole portfolio. It's 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 very it's very challenging. It's a lot easier. It's, it's a much easier model to employ in let's say a multi-story office building than it is with industrial and logistics. Maybe we'll see that come forward in, in the next few years. But I just think we need a lot more supply for that to actually emerge to to emerge as a as 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 um as a service. Um, in its own right. Mm, sure. Okay. Um, now, we often talk about the industrial sector as though logistics is all there is, um, but how important a part of the mix does manufacturing remain? Um, uh, you know, who are the big employers across the across the West Midlands and what, and what demands do they have? Well, it, it's very important because, you, you know, there are, we, we all know particularly for the West Midlands, um, Jaguar Land Rover has been a, a, a huge let's call it a, a huge employer huge stimulus for the local economy but we're also seeing now manufacturing if you'd call it that in sectors such as 
um, the development of electric um, vehicles, the batteries that, that go along with that. So the manufacture almost of tech. So I think that manufacturing is still, manufacturing is ever evolving. And I think that we're, I mean, we're still seeing a, a, a good deal of manufacturing requirements. They pale in comparison with general logistics, you know, storage and distribution requirements. But we are still seeing manufacturing requirements out there. And I think I think manufacturing, not just for, it's not really uh, it's not really that important to the property sector per se. In that if there's demand out there, it doesn't really matter where it's coming from. As long as there is demand, the space will be um, taken up. But it's just very important. To, to, to the region, it's very important to the country. We need manufacturing. We, we 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 also need to be able to manufacture here now because of the whole issue with supply chains. So that we, we, there's more there's more produced here in the UK that we can get our hands on very quickly. So I just think it's very important for the country as a whole and for the economy and and also for um for for, for the uh, creation of jobs. Sure. Okay. I mean, the industrial sector is having to kind of deal with the consequences of some fairly dramatic world events that are going on right now. Um, and I guess what it wants more than anything is a bit of stability. Um, how optimistic are you that that's going to happen in the next kind of year or two? Well, it, it, there is there is stability in that if you're if if you're a landlord with available accommodation, if you've got a, a warehouse building, an industrial logistics building, you have a very good chance of either letting it or selling it. So the stability in that regard, there's mm. demand is, is is surging. The the instability is just being able to satisfy that demand. And year on year now, as we go forward, we take up being so significant uh, against you know the the the. the the lack of supply and if you look at the numbers out there they're startling if you look at what the, the, the numbers the availability um of industrial logistics space in the east midlands that it, it was it was unthinkable there's that little available so that's the challenge and that's the instability in that we don't we don't know or not that we don't know it's that, we, that the options we can offer to occupiers is limited and that demand will just be, will become more and more pent up and ultimately it will lead to a negative impact on the economy but the logistics sector is very uh, from a property perspective it's very stable because demand is just so strong sure okay um i think i know the answer to this but uh, the magic wand question um if you've had one um what's the first thing you do with it to kind of help the the sector throughout the region it would be the availability of land ideally land that is zoned and you know uh, is is primed and ready ready to go um but we need more land and it's it's been an issue for many many years and the availability of land is is or or the, or, or, or the non-availability of land is such an issue that the magic wand would be waived to try and to try and actually improve that situation because we we there's a lot there's a huge amount of demand out there as I've said a number of times there are lots of different options needed different sizes different types of buildings if we had the land we could facilitate that demand going forward so that was that's what I'd do with the wand. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um, and just finally, then, um, this year you also um, signed up to start uh, submitting deals to Radius. Um, how have you found using it, um, and how useful is it to kind of, you know, flag up to the rest of the industry 
that you know just quite how active you are well our exposure has been it's been very recent um establishing a relationship um with the team the radius team so uh, it, it, but our, our let's say our experience so far has been really really good really positive very accessible very helpful um and we've been recently using the um using radius to upload our transactional evidence uh, in respect of the deals that we've been involved with we've just found it to be a very straightforward task there's been support there to help us with with, with the actual tools and the team have been really good so it's been a very good start and uh, we're very grateful uh, to the team perfect okay well on that happy note i think we'll bring things to a close uh, chris thank you very much for your time thank you jim thanks a lot Thank you.